This is Game Design Unboxed, inspiration to publication on the No Direction Network. Danielle, Denise, and Ben interview tabletop designers on the games they've made. Together, they unbox how a game went from inspiration to publication. Thank you for joining Game Design Unboxed, inspiration to publication, episode two, Tiny Towns. Today, we are joined by Peter McPherson, designer of Tiny Towns, published by AEG. Peter is an amazing newer designer that is becoming more well-known since Tiny Towns release at Gen Con 2019. Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is really great. We're so excited to have you here. If you could tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got into the gaming community. Sure. So uh, by day, I am a freelance editor. And uh, board gaming is not a career for me yet. Maybe someday that would be that would be wonderful. But um, I got really into board games in high school and in college. Made a lot of good friends that way. Um, started designing really seriously. I would say late in college. Um, but Tiny Towns is my first design that really uh, I felt like had staying power and was worth pursuing seriously. So. Um, I was lucky enough to land with a great publisher with AEG and Tiny Towns is my first my first published game. So um, that's really been my my first introduction to the industry and to uh, all the wonderful designer groups out there. Um, so it's been a wonderful, wonderful experience so far. No, that's awesome. Would you mind telling our guests who have not played Tiny Towns just kind of an overview of how to play and what it's about? Yeah, so in Tiny Towns, everyone is the mayor of their own town, represented by a 4x4 grid. And you are trying to build several different buildings that all have building patterns using the five different resources in the game. So uh, they're sort of like Tetris shapes. And the way you build each building is you take turns choosing a resource. When it's your turn, you call a resource, say glass or brick. And then everyone, including yourself, has to put that resource in one of the spaces on your grid. When you get the right layout for a building, they sort of glom down into one space, and then you have that building there. And all the buildings earn points in different ways. Um, and the trick of the game comes in that you can only have one resource cube or building per square. So things get really cozy as you have a lot of cubes on your board, and then you have room to breathe again as everything collapses down. And of course, the whole time you're dealing with the influx of resources that other players are giving you. So it's very much a chaos mitigation game. Um, and hopefully at the end, everyone has a tiny town that they're proud of. I know I've always been proud of my tiny towns. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to hear it. So what exactly inspired the design of tiny towns? Well, um, I've always really liked any game where you build something that is yours and you get to admire it at the end of the game. I love games where players have a personal space. Um, and I think the main idea came from somewhere between the video game Minecraft and the phone app 2048. Um, if anyone's unfamiliar with, with 2048, it's, it's got numbers that sort of glom into each other on this sliding grid. And I really love that, that mechanic of things collapsing down. I found it super satisfying and I wanted to realize it in a board game form. And then as far as Minecraft goes, the whole crafting system with different patterns, creating different things was really fascinating to me. And I thought there was some way I could make that work in a board game. So somewhere between those those three ideas, my love of games where you build something or cultivate something in your personal space and 2048 and Minecraft is where Tiny Towns came from. Wow, interesting. What did that initial prototype look like? So uh, 
I made a very, very cheap first prototype, and I sort of still stick to fast and cheap prototypes when I can. The original Tiny Towns was drawn on paper. I would draw a four by four grid and draw in the buildings because I didn't want to commit to expensive components. Um, I had some colored cubes lying around, so uh, it was all it was all hand drawn. Honestly, for the first six months or so of playtesting, at least I would say. Um, I, I had my poor friends drawing their cottages and chapels and farms and all that stuff on sheets of paper. So oh, always yeah, with the bad. plan. Yeah, always with the plan of there being actual components. But I was so hesitant to invest too much in, in this game. I didn't know whether it was going to keep working or not. What kind of changes did you make to the game while you were playtesting and developing? Um, so the first changes I started to make were increasing the number of buildings. I only had one set of building at first, and I, I changed that to two different sets of buildings. Um, and then I didn't make a ton of significant changes between initial idea and, and late playtesting, to be honest, besides some building tweaks. Um, naturally, every design I've had since then has been nothing like that at all. Major iterations every single time, um, pulling out major components and mechanics. Um, but uh, yeah, Tiny Towns is a game that did not go through serious, distinct iterations. It had always been a 4x4 four four grid, always the five resources and seven building types. Um, one major thing I did add in was the monuments, which give everybody... Those are personal buildings only you have access to build, as opposed to the public buildings that everyone can build. See, I both love and hate that part because I always get the most sophisticated, crazy monuments where someone else has to put like three things down or I'm like five or six. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, and the monuments, I just felt helped to send everyone off in a slightly different direction, both strategy-wise and resource diversity-wise. Um, and it also, I think, is helpful for new players because it says, hey, here's a goal that you can pursue right now and probably finish in just a few turns. I know I definitely need that kind of guidance when I'm playing a game for the first or maybe the 50th time, Peter. So I, I'm, I totally get it. I think that's an awesome uh, inclusion into the game. Uh, if I may ask, as a new designer, how did you know or what was the point that you knew that the game was kind of ready to be pitched? Um, I think I had probably gone, I don't know, maybe 20 or so playtests without significant changes of any sort. Um, so it felt like I was just brute force playtesting at that point, showing it to as many people as possible to get their, their feel for it. Um, I had done a couple sessions of blind playtesting, both when I was in the room trying to be as quiet as possible and when I had friends kind enough to film their session for me when I was not there. Um, so yeah, it, it felt like it was stabilizing. And I would say I still use the same metric. Once I am not making any real changes after a dozen or so plays, then I think, uh, you know, and everything's working, hopefully that's when I feel a game is, is ready to pitch. That's fantastic advice. I couldn't agree more. Now, uh, you mentioned that AEG was kind of your first published game. What was your, your journey like in, in finding publishers? Are you local to any some sort or was it kind of cold pitches or pitching at conventions? How did you find maybe AEG specifically as well? <laughs> So I was planning on going to PAX Unplugged 2017 with the hopes of pitching Tiny Towns. And beforehand, in the maybe two, three months leading up to it, I researched as many publishers as I could who I knew would be there and tried to find out what their pitch submission process was. Um, I probably contacted 20 publishers and heard back from 10 of them, five of which said, no, we're not interested in your game, and five of which said, sure, we'll be at PAX Unplugged, let's set up a, a meeting. 
and uh, AEG was one of them, and they were my my top pick. So I had the chance to sit down with five really great publishers, and Tiny Towns is fortunately short enough that I was able to show all of them um, around a whole game. And uh, AEG really liked it uh, after that that first play. I could tell the pitch went really well, and I would say about two weeks later, I got the email from them saying they were interested in signing it. That's awesome. That's such quick turnaround. Yeah, it was great. So exciting. How was your experience working with a publisher and with AEG? Is there anything you learned from that ex- that experience? Um, yeah, I learned I learned a lot. I mean, I learned basically everything I know about board game development and, and production from that experience. And AEG is a great publisher in that they're they're kind of big for the hobby board game industry, but they're still small enough that they can give a lot of personal attention to each designer and each individual project. So during the pitch at PAX Unplugged, they told me, if we sign this game, you will be exactly as involved as you want to be. And I told them I'd like to be very involved. And that was absolutely the case through the whole development process. There really wasn't a single decision that I was not um, cued in on, at least aware of. So they ran a lot of things by me. Um, even the the art direction, working with Josh Wood as the developer of Tiny Towns, he would show me every single piece of art. So it was a really great experience. I felt that I had um, a ton of input on on the project. So uh, really, it, it was a best case scenario in terms of designer working with a publisher. No, that's so great that they let you do as much as you wanted to do. How did they approach you, though, as far as going into like the expansions? Because I know Tiny Towns has one that's released, Fortune, and then isn't Villagers coming up soon? Yes, Villagers is for now. Things are, you know, uncertain in this crazy, crazy time we're in. Um, but Villagers is slated for a late October release. Um, so AEG is a company that they have expansions for almost all of their games. And I think during the pitch, or at least during our conversations a few weeks afterward, they asked about the possibility of expansions. And because Tiny Towns is very modular, it's easy to just add more building card sets or more monuments. I told them, you know, absolutely, we could do expansions, and I have a few ideas for expansions. So I don't really remember whether they gave Josh and I the green light to start making expansions, or whether we just told them, hey, we have an expansion idea. Um... I think more likely we just told them we've got an expansion idea and they said, you know, okay, go ahead. Um, and then from there, I mean, uh, then it was Josh and I working together on the expansion, but um, that's a whole a whole story on its own. Yeah, that must have been interesting to have a co-designer for expansions versus doing it yourself. Yeah, once we had the green light, I, I think I started, I don't know, maybe like for half an hour or something, I started like, you know, thinking about how we were going to tackle this first expansion. I already knew what I wanted the first expansion to be. And then I was just like, this, this feels weird without Josh. I mean, he and I worked so closely on doubling the number of buildings in the base game and figuring out which monuments are going to go into it. It felt really strange to work on it without his input whatsoever. So I just called him and was like, do you want to just be my co-designer on this expansion? Because I feel like that's what's going to happen anyway. And he said yes, and he's going to be my co-designer on all future expansions, um, however many of those we we get a chance to make, but uh, it's been it's been really fun. I mean, Josh and I really see eye to eye on Tiny Towns and many things game design. He, I knew after our first meeting, the first time I chatted with him over Skype, that he understood what my game was about and that we saw it the same way. So there have never been 
any serious disagreements over anything except maybe building balance. But um, but that's just math, so that's okay. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And for anyone who doesn't know, Josh Wood was the designer of Cat Lady, and he did the art for it too, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Awesome. Math is uh, very easy to get mad at, I think. Absolutely, Peter. Now, you have mentioned uh, Josh, and you've mentioned mechanics and kind of the inspiration for Tiny Towns uh, being Minecraft and 2048. Um, I remember that game, too, on, on the phone and all the swiping. Did you come up with Tiny Towns? Uh, how did you come about the theme of Tiny Towns? Was that something that kind of came along a little bit later after all the mechanics? Or... Did you sort of have that idea of a little homely estate, more or less, that you were building up uh, from the get-go? So town building was the original theme for Tiny Towns, but um, I think anyone who's played it knows it's not necessarily a game that's dripping with theme. So I had written down a few other theme possibilities, um, but all through my playtesting and through development with AEG, it was always, it was always building a town, um, and it was called Tiny Towns for a pretty long time. Um, and then during development, we discussed, you know, what sort of town is this? Is it is it small people living in these tiny towns? At one point, the idea of like mushroom people was discussed. And I had oh. to say, um, I really dislike mushrooms strongly. And I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can be on board <laughs> with mushroom people towns. Um, and with mice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we ended up going with... Yeah, we went with small woodland creatures because something needed to be tiny about these towns. And I grew up reading um, the Dimwood Forest series by Avi and some Redwall. So I've always really liked slightly anthropomorphic animals in little woodland civilizations. Um, and I think it's a, a good cutesy theme for a, a cutesy game that is occasionally a little a little bit punishing. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, so I remember at Gen Con specifically, you were signing games, you're playing with people, they were running tons of events. And I remember being invited to an event where they were trying to set some kind of crazy record for how many people can play this game. Because I know, especially during COVID, this game is awesome because you can play it through Zoom. So I'm pretty sure we had at least a thousand people playing at Gen Con. This was at AEG's Big Game Night, which is an event they run every year uh, at Gen Con when that is an in-person event. And it was really surreal. I mean, I never would have guessed that I would ever get an opportunity to play a 1,000 person player round of one of my games. Um, so it was it was pretty wild. I was the the resource caller for anyone who's unfamiliar. Tiny Towns has a more roll and write esque mode where there's a deck of cards that determine what resources everyone has to place in their towns. Yeah, kind of like um, bingo. <laughs> yeah, and so that works well for any player count up to a thousand and beyond, um, and it works really well over over Zoom or Skype as well. So um, yeah, it was an absolutely just wonderful experience and so cool to hear an entire room of people cheer or groan over whatever my resource call was. Yeah, That's it was so funny. It was amazing. So how did you feel about the release as a whole? Um, I thought it I mean, I, I thought it went really well. It was very strange to see people posting photos of of my weird little game in their homes on Instagram and stuff in the weeks after it came out. I mean, I've never, you know, I've never had anything with my name on out there in the world like that before. So, um, it was, it was really cool. And, you know, it was fun to watch the comments come in on board game geek. And of course there were people who 
who disliked it for plenty of reasons, people who enjoyed it for others. Um, and all of it was, all of it was fascinating and all of it was, all of it was cool. You know, even the negative, negative reviews, you can't make a game for everybody, but it was just so neat to hear feedback from so many people and hear about so many people enjoying my game. Um, yeah, it was, it was bizarre and wonderful. One of the things that I've been wondering about is how to play test and design in a COVID era. And as you have a new expansion, hopefully coming out, knock on wood, I'm wondering, did you have to play test and kind of work through that expansion during COVID? What has that been like sort of getting ready for a launch in the midst of everything going on in a pandemic? Well, the upcoming expansion, Villagers, was actually wrapped up design-wise before this whole thing started. Um, I was out in California visiting AEG folks just as we were finalizing the rulebook for Villagers. And that was that was back in March, right before everything got started. But uh, we've continued to work on expansion since then. And Josh and I, because we live on opposite sides of the country, I'm in New York and he's in California, we have sort of always had to have virtual playtesting. And because Tiny Towns works perfectly fine over video chat, that's just how we've done the bulk of our playtesting when it's just the two of us. So in many ways, it's been a fairly painless transition for us working on Tiny Towns expansions because we're just sort of keeping on doing the same thing. It's just a bit harder to get a group of five or six to see what an in-person round of Master Builder mode feels like. Oh, I could definitely see that. So for anybody who hasn't played the expansions, do you want to just tell us a little bit about what Fortune and Villagers adds to the game? Sure. So Tiny Town's Fortune, which is already out, that came out earlier this year, um, adds coins to the game, which are really useful. They're worth a point at the end of the game, but you can also spend a coin to place a different resource than what someone else names. So if someone says stone and you just can't handle a stone right now, you can pay a coin and play something else. And you earn coins mostly by building two buildings at the same time, which if you've played Tiny Towns, you know is uh, not an easy thing to do. It also adds two new sets of buildings that interact with coins in different ways and several monuments. And then Villagers uh, is also going to introduce some new mechanisms, but I would say it's mostly a more of the same expansion. It adds a lot of cards that are just base game compatible, so you can mix them in and have a ton more variety when you play. There are three sets of building cards, most of which are base game compatible, and then a bunch of new monuments. And it also adds the villager mechanism, which introduces little wooden critters that actually move around your board. And you're trying to sort of corral them into buildings so that they work there, and then they can do different abilities for you. So there are going to be two different abilities in a given round. Um, So that's always randomized and always slightly different, and your villagers can perform those for you for a cost of a different number of villagers. Well, I'm now really excited for villagers (laughs) to come (laughs) out. Uh, So thanks for sharing what we can look forward to. Of course. Yeah, I know. I definitely remember. I think it was PAX Unplugged. I kept going by your table to try to play the expansion Fortune, and it was always packed. And I got really jealous, and I ended up not being able to play it. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. We'll have to we'll work that out at some point, I'm sure. Eventually. Eventually. <laughs> yep. Well, I do have to ask. So, I mean, this game has been doing amazing and you have been nominated for so many huge awards like the Mensa, the Spill the Spiel, Golden Geeks, like all of that. Just how does it make you feel? Like is it kind of at this point, oh, I've been nominated, whatever? No, no, absolutely not. I mean, um it's 
it's amazing every single time. It's it's cool that I'm still being nominated for things, even though the game came out last year. Um, I, I mean, Tiny Towns has been more wildly successful than I could have hoped for or, or guessed it would be. So our first time designer, um, it's incredible. I'm I mean, I'm just so happy about all the recognition it's been it's been getting. So, um, yeah, it, it doesn't get old. It's it's awesome. Was there anyone in particular that you were just over the moon hearing that you were nominated for it? Um, I mean, being nominated for the Golden Geek was was pretty cool. Um, even though I I didn't win that one, I think that went to Wingspan, I believe, which is totally totally uh, deserved. And the Tantrum House Awards, I was uh, nominated for Best Family Game, um, and that was that was pretty wonderful. Every, every single time it's it's always a thrill no matter how how big or small the the award is it's just neat to know that someone someone out there in some committee thinks that my game is worth nominating for best best family game of the year or or any other categories i mean it's well deserved for sure i mean i love that game and all my friends that aren't even gamers they pick it up so quickly awesome yeah i mean um that was really my my hope was to make a game that is fun for gamers, but also very accessible for people who uh, don't play a lot of board games or for younger kids that they can enjoy it with their parents who maybe want something more strategic, but still fun for fun for their kids. So um, I'm glad it's hit that sweet spot for some people. Oh, for sure has. It's definitely a kind of universal game. That's right. And there's not a whole lot of text, I don't recall. So people who, you know, kind of speak different languages can even sit down and play together pretty darn well, I'd say. Uh, Peter, like, what is kind of next for you uh, in terms of the design? Is the Tiny Towns, the, is the abstract kind of your wheelhouse? Is that going to be where we can expect uh, your next title to kind of reside in? Or are you looking to maybe even venture out uh, towards something slightly more, I don't know, th- slightly more theme-driven first? I would say the one thing that links almost all of my designs is a sort of spatial element. I'm just a very uh-huh. spatial thinker, and I like games where I know that my character is in this place or that this thing is over here or just trying to fit different shapes together. So nearly every game I've designed has some spatial element somewhere, usually at the center stage. Sure. Um, so I have a couple of games that I'm in talks with publishers about that I can't quite talk about just yet. Of course. But I would say all of my all of my designs are very family friendly, both in weight and theme. Um, and I like to think have a a reasonable tie between mechanics and theme, though I definitely consider myself to be a mechanics first designer. That puts a smile on my face to hear. That's that's really, really cool. I was going to say, I wish I was more mechanic. Normally I'm like, this theme is great. How do I make this work mechanically? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how, how folks do that. I wish I had that ability, but I usually I think of a weird little puzzle and then I'm like, okay, what does this, what does this feel like? What does it feel like we're trying to solve here? Hey, it's working for you. <laughs> As you kind of reflect on your journey with Tiny Towns, what's your most memorable experience um, throughout this entire process? I mean, the giant game at Gen Con was was definitely up there. I mean, that's pretty hard to beat. Um, I would say seeing my game for the very first time at PAX Unplugged 2018 was also really wild. Um, I had just shown up on the convention floor and saw the tiny towns set up. It was just a, it was a, a table with an awesome like tiny towns tablecloth. 
And I was immediately asked by one of the AG staff if I could teach a group that had just shown up how to play. And so I sort of like showed up, saw my game for the first time because I hadn't like held it or seen the components or anything like that until then. Um, <laughs> and so I just like took a second to like stare at everything. And then I was like, OK, yes, Tiny Towns, I made this game and I'm going to teach you how to play it. So <laughs> I was super flustered and probably botched that demo. But it was a ton of fun. Oh, I remember when I got introduced to you to have you sign my game and I was talking to Josh. And he's like, oh, well, come over here, the designer. And this is how we met. And mm-hmm. I remember making a joke about like, oh, how embarrassing would it be if you like spell something wrong? And you right away as you're writing, you spelled something wrong. And I was laughing. I'm like, I'm going to keep this game forever. This is fantastic. <laughs> did I really? Like, I'm a new designer. You did. And I'm going to keep it. And I oh, might man. need to take a picture of it. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> So to kind of, I guess, go back to uh, the roots, because uh, like some of our listeners, I should say, uh, not unlike our listeners, you were a first time designer at some point, Peter. And uh, I was wondering if you could maybe offer some sort of advice, uh, maybe something that you wish you could tell your past self about uh, design principles or the just entire journey that you've been on since uh, you signed with AEG, whatever is kind of on your mind, something that you would like to impart, uh, bestow upon someone kind of first entering the industry as a designer with their eyes wide and their hearts, you know, very open. First of all, I guess I would say that I don't think making a board game is super hard. And I think this industry can be extremely welcoming. And there are just tons of people who would really like to help first-time designers get out there and and make their first game. Um, and one thing that I wish I knew when I had gotten started, whenever whenever that was, I suppose late college is when I really started thinking about board game ideas, is the importance of getting a game to the table as quickly as possible and just getting that first play test out. Because it's probably going to be terrible and you're probably going to learn a lot of things and save yourself a lot of time. I had a couple designs that were just, they were just notebooks of ideas, or sometimes I would even go as far as making a ton of components and like a deck of 200 action cards and all this stuff. And then I just wouldn't even test it. And sometimes they would never get tested. Um, And I'd have to dig those up to find out whether they were even broken games out of the gate or not. But I really believe in making prototypes cheap and fast so you can throw them out and not feel bad when the first playtest doesn't go your way. Um, And I personally learn way more from playtesting than I ever do from ruminating and jotting down notes and making tons of cards for games. I totally get it. 200 cards is uh, quite a bit more than I think people realize, especially with all sorts of different texts and and whatnot. I was hoping to follow up with that too, Peter, is for me, I guess, yeah, there's always kind of a new idea that, that hits me and that motivates me and inspires me. Do you feel that you would ever revisit a past design or is it always kind of whatever the the next shiny that inspires you is going to kind of be what you work on for the next um i definitely think i might revisit some of my older designs some of them are terrible some of the ideas i think were just uh lacking in originality or weren't even genres that i'm interested in personally as a gamer um but as far as pursuing the next shiny idea i think i'm i'm fortunate to be pretty good at sticking with an idea once I feel it has legs. And I think it's because I just enjoy every part of the 
design process. I love the initial coming up with the idea and jotting it down. Yeah. I love making the first prototype and putting it on the table for the first time. And I really love when I'm 20 playtests in and the game is starting to not be a dumpster fire. So um, I think just having been through that process once with Tiny Towns, I, I've come to really appreciate every single step. And I, I do love starting new ideas and I do love filling notebooks with the beginnings of thoughts. But um, I, try, I try to resist those, those shiny new things because then that game you have that's at like 80% and just needs a few more months of work will never quite make it to completion. So hard not to chase the shiny new thing. Oh, yeah. I know that AEG has been streaming live plays of Tiny Towns. Is it every day right now during everything going on? Or, I mean, it was every day, at least for a month or two. Were you a part of that decision or the idea of doing it? It's hard to remember whether they approached me and asked or whether they just said, we're going to do live streams every day. I think more likely they just said, we're going to start doing live streams every day. And for a while, it was Tiny Towns every weekday at noon PST. Um, and now they've thrown a couple other games into the mix. So we're doing three games of Tiny Towns per week. Um, and I, I am there 80 to 90% of the time. And it is, uh, it's a ton of fun just, um, interacting with the same people who show up and play with us day after day and interacting with the new people who are there for the first time, who sometimes don't even know what Tiny Towns is. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a great dose of social interaction in the middle of my day and, um, it's fun to be able to play with, you know, 60 people sometimes um, and compete with them and compare scores and stuff like that. So um, I'm really fortunate that somehow I made a slightly pandemic proof board game. So how many times do you typically win when you play at this point? Because clearly if you're playing it basically every day or three times a week, you have to be winning, what, 80% of the time? Well, you would think that, but I'm playing against like 30 to 40 people. So the odds the odds can be a bit rough. I would say I, I win maybe 10% of the time, having the highest score among us on the AEG stream and the chat. So uh, I, I have been known to have some pretty, some pretty awful scores in Tiny Towns from time to time, for sure. I think I had like a negative 10 just, just last week. So it happens. I just was really happy. I'm happy to hear that it's okay to get a low score. I frequently get low scores in the game, but it's so much fun and keeps me coming back because you get a little ping every time you finish a building or finish a monument. And I want, after I finish playing a game, I want to play another one because there's always that possibility, no matter how well I do. And it really is so fun to have your little town that you're building. Uh, by the end, uh, it really brings you back. Awesome. That's great to hear. Um, one of my little goals with Tiny Towns was to to give players small milestones and goals along the way that they could be constantly achieving. So every time you complete a building, that's a little goal that you have achieved, and you're probably in the middle of one or two other buildings. So every couple of turns, you're completing something or achieving something, hopefully. Um, and I also believe it's important for games to be fun even when you lose and i hope that with tiny towns players feel that they learn something when they lose and that they're aware of what mistakes they made and how they can avoid them next time they play hopefully and that the dopamine effect i mean i i had to delete the app 2048 from my phone for dopamine reasons but i did hope to recreate a little bit of that sensation in tiny towns i mean i'll confess i did look up the app when you mentioned it at the top of it 
It's dangerous. Um, because it it is so addictive. And I think, honestly, it's one of the things that I really enjoy about board games in general. It's what brings me back to gaming um, is that experience. And I think it's uh, really uh, incredible to have Definitely created that in a game like Tiny Towns that's also really accessible, right? Like, that's why it's a family game, um, family weight game. You can, you, you can get that and, like, bring your friends in and like, Hey, let's try this out. And I think that's, that's really special. Cool. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, accessibility has both in terms of everyone's, everyone's ableness, being able to enjoy my games and their experience as gamers has always been important to me. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I will say though, anytime the well is like the little circle, I think gray piece Mm-hmm. there's always someone who puts like six wells out and I'm like, are you kidding me? And they almost always beat me. And then I just want to push them in the well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, wells, they're easy to build, but they're not that lucrative unless you place them just right. So, so how long in total do you think it took from going just the inspiration of this game to it being published for you? Quite a while. It was spring to summer of 2016 when I first started playtesting and came up with the idea. And then the game was published in spring of 2019. So uh, really just shy of three years altogether, which is which is quite a while. I started pitching or, you know, I pitched at PAX Unplug in fall of 2017. So it was about a year and a half of playtesting and blind playtesting. And then about nine months of development. Once AEG signed it, we really dug into development around uh, like February, March of 2018. And then we were wrapped up around winter and it was just uh, production at that point and shipping, sending it over here. So, uh, yeah, I learned just how long a board game can take. Tiny Towns is probably a bit longer than most projects, I understand. But um, it is a long time from initial idea to publication, at least in my experience. No, I love the fact that you could go two to six players in that box. But they told me right away, they're like, if you love it, buy another one and then just keep buying more of them and you can play even more people. And I was like, as someone who tends to invite too many people over to a game night, that's really nice. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, my game nights are almost always like 10 people and we like party games, but they're not necessarily our our favorite genre. So we're always looking for games that are more strategic, but also high player counts. So hitting that six player count was really important for me. It's definitely very chaotic at six players and is not for the faint of heart, but um, that's probably my favorite number to play Tiny Towns at. What is your favorite part of Tiny Towns? Like, What is something that you're just so proud that you put together? I think my favorite part, this is probably a controversial opinion, but that's okay, um, is the master builder mode. The fact that players are choosing what resources go into other players' boards. Um, I designed Tiny Towns before I had played a modern roll and write, uh, something that wasn't Yahtzee. Um, so I wasn't really aware of like roll and write style mechanics. And I wanted the randomness to be driven by the players as opposed to a deck. And of course, we did end up ending the, adding the deck so players could play that way as well. But um, I really enjoy Master Builder mode. I know many people prefer to play Town Hall mode, and that makes me super happy to hear that they enjoy you know, something else that the game has to offer. But um, I really just enjoy the strategy of choosing a resource that is really useful for you or choosing something that is slightly useful, but you know is going to be kind of unpleasant for your opponents. I think it's a fun decision. 
Yeah, I feel like most people tend to play more to help themselves and less hurt other people. I mean, occasionally you get that one person that looks at your boards like, oh, they clearly need some glass. I'm going to make sure that's not called. Yep, absolutely. And speaking of looking at players' boards, one one change I made very late in the process, actually after I had pitched the game to AEG, was there used to be player shields that covered everyone's board so you couldn't see what everyone else was working on. And that was because I wanted to, I didn't want it to feel like hate drafting. I didn't want it to feel quite too cutthroat. But then I realized without the shields, not only is the table presence much better, but it's a bit less intimidating for new players because you can lean over and help and say, you know, oh, look, if you just put that glass there, you can make a cottage or something. Um, So it actually became sort of friendlier. But yes, it does open up um, for some strategic, nasty resource calling if you're with a group that wants to play that way. It's so funny. I'm sure they were also happy less components, a little less money. Yep, that too. Speaking of those uh, groups that you call over for game night, Peter, uh, is are those friends and guests kind of comprised of your design community as well? Is everyone kind of uh, play uh, published and prototype games together? Or are these kind of more your friends away from the design aspect and just kind of there to let loose some steam on a on a Friday night or some such? Um, this is my my main gaming group right now is my high school friend group. So the ones who I played Carcassonne and Catan and Dominion with way back when. Um, so they, while there aren't any designers in that group, they occasionally will allow me to subject them to a play test. I try to ask uh-huh. before I bring a prototype to game night because sometimes you just want to play polished, published stuff. But they have been fantastic about playing all of my prototypes in all of their various stages. Um, and then I have another local design group as well um, that's become just an awesome community and resource for playtesting. So it's it's great to have my games playtested with them. And I just love getting inspired, seeing all of their designs and all the different things they're working on. Totally get it. I'm right there with you. No, I feel like with all these online ones, especially, I'm getting to see these designs that I probably never would have seen until it was published, which has been a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it's been I think it's been pretty wonderful to see all these communities across the country that I was aware of and had maybe I'd met some of their members at conventions and stuff, but I'd never gotten to playtest with them before. Um, I'm a part of the Seattle Playtesters group. Um, I think the title is the Seattle Board Game Designers Group is their full title. Um, and I wouldn't have normally had an opportunity to play test with them except at convention. So now every Wednesday night, I get to play games with them. And Danielle, you're a part of that group as well. And um, it's wonderful just to, you know, meet up with convention friends virtually who I might not play games with otherwise. And just to show my game to a more diverse group of people and to see even more prototypes to get inspired by. All right. I think Denise is going to sign us out unless you have any last minute tips for other designers or things that you would like to say like maybe where can we find you uh you can find me on twitter and instagram both of those are at peter l mcpherson and mcpherson is m-c-p-h-e-r-s-o-n perfect i'm sure if i'm pretty sure i'm following you but other people can follow you now too awesome well thank you all so much for joining us and a special thank you to you peter so great to hear about your journey and to learn more about tiny towns 
Uh, thanks all for joining us for another episode of Game Design Unboxed, Inspiration to Publication. I am one of your hosts, Denise. You can find me on Twitter at Year23 or on Instagram at KellyDN. Yeah, and I'm one of your other hosts, Danielle Reynolds. You can find me on Facebook at DMR Creative Group, on Twitter as creative dmr or on instagram at token gamer and that's g-a-y and then we also have ben and you can find him you can find me on facebook at ben moy b-e-n-m-o-y wonderful thank you all so much yeah thanks for joining us yeah thank you so much for having me this was great oh for sure i'm sure you'll be on again some other day with one of these future secret designs (laughs) sounds good This has been another episode of Game Design Unboxed, inspiration to publication. If you'd like to hear more great gaming podcasts, check out nodirectionpodcast.com. Join us next time.